This is Sports Point. Sports Point, the latest in sport from Highland Pressure and beyond. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Sports Point. Welcome to this week's uh, edition, a Heartland Multimedia production. Uh, with me this week, uh, well, by the way, uh, our normal host is is on holiday this week. Imagine taking a week's holiday. Uh, hope Nathaniel is having a good uh, good week off. Uh, our guest this week, Ian Conway, tennis aficionado. He's always got an opinion. Uh, Ian, uh, welcome to uh, Sports Point for this week. Good evening, Alistair. And Fraser Lindsay, sports reporter. Knowledge about everything is my notes that I've got down here. Uh, Fraser? Uh, welcome along to Sports Point. Evening, Alistair. No pressure on me then. Not at all, not at all. And Graham Howie, uh, Heartland FM breakfast presenter, uh, and also someone who's never short of uh, an opinion. Uh, Graham, welcome to Sports Point. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, kick off, and uh, no pun intended, uh, with the Persia Amateur Football Association. Uh, the leagues uh, kick off. There's been some friendly matches uh, taking uh, place. Uh, let's talk about uh, Division 1 first of all where uh, I see Lunkerty uh, are in there and come out with uh, quite a few fixtures on their Facebook page uh, they had a friendly on the 7th of August uh, against Methyl Methyl 3, Lunkerty 1 so it's certainly not Methyl no more uh, anyway um, uh, Fraser, what's your opinion of uh, the, the standards and getting back to football in the amateur league, yeah, I think it's great to see the amateurs finally getting back to back to the game again. It's been a long time they've been kept idle from, you know, uh, it's been well over a year now. So I think the players are just desperate to, to get back to and something they enjoy so much. And yeah, friendlies are always good. You want to get a few results and get some con- confidence on the board, but at the same time, it's just about trying to bed in all your new players that you've because I presume teams will have changed so much over the, the pandemic players will have moved on new players will have come in so you just want to get to know your new teammates ahead of the, the season opener uh, Ian, Ian how difficult is, is that going to be as, as Fraser said there that uh, you know not much going on just with the the pandemic and how we've had to deal with uh, group sports I mean at the amateur football level is it really just about getting back together and getting to know each other well absolutely and uh, I follow every single week Vale of Athol mm-hmm. uh, and I've watched all their all their uh, home games this uh, this year and as Fraser knows there's been four friendlies in the last month uh, and the training uh, at uh, in Division 2 particularly at the Vale Athol is usually on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. so I often go up to Recreation Park and watch them there's great enthusiasm but Alistair there's huge restrictions and where do they change they've got to bring their own water bottles we've got they've got to be keeping separate but now because of you know let's say the easing of the pandemic there was a fantastic match last Saturday against a it was Octorada Primrose yeah, yeah. and uh, Bela were 2-1 up at half time, but eventually they lost 4-2. And ironically, uh, all the matches 
of the friendlies that Verathol have played, they've actually lost all their home matches and won all their all their away matches. So what's going but, on there then? Uh, well, I mean, he's, uh, the manager there, Terry Young, is trying to increase his squad. It's mm. absolutely great seeing the sort of old heads working in and in, in blending in the younger ones. Uh, they... They must be the same as Ball and Lewig. They've got to be looking at Division One to be up there against their old their old enemy, Brad Alban. So mm. I haven't, to be fair, to ask answer your question about Division One. I'm afraid I'm I'm very much a, a pit lottery man, so I watch the local team. Uh, and uh, I noticed, uh, uh, Graham, that uh, Ball and Lewig uh, on their Facebook page are saying that they're looking uh, for more players. Uh, I, I mean, do, do you think maybe some of the teams will suffer uh, from not having the regular band of players because of the lack of, um, uh, you know, opportunities to, to to play? It's a good thing to go along and have a go at, Graham, isn't it? Well, I'll need to go down and offer my services then and see if they're that short of players. I think they're... they said yeah. young men only <laughs> on a Wednesday evening. So, <laughs> I don't doubt that it'll it'll kick in for them. I think any, anybody who plays football at any level, uh, particularly at Division One, Division Two, which is you know a serious standard of play, as Ian was alluding to earlier, will be you know really keen to get back. It just takes a couple of games to get your match fitness. I don't really think they'll have any problem in recruiting players because everyone wants to play. It's just, you know, we're still on the back end of the, of the pandemic. We're not out of it yet. People are still finding their feet geographically, work-wise, family-wise. Mm. Um, so it's maybe just a little bit for them to organise at the moment. But I, I don't really think uh, they'll be resorting to asking me to play. <laughs> well, who knows? But the, but, but the offer's here, Graham, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, Ian, you, you mentioned there about the, the matches that uh, Vale of Athol have got uh, coming up. Um, over the next month, um, What um, any toughies in there? Or, or well, well that's a great question, mm-hmm. uh, Alistair. There is a big old film game taking place on the 17th of August, and that's yeah. against Val and Louis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a home match. I, I think Vale of Athol have been quite lucky because they've got four matches this month and three of them are at home mm-hmm. Lethem, Fair City and also Ballon Luig but they seem to be winning away from home at the moment yeah. so I can't really work it out but I've watched them the enthusiasm of the younger players absolutely immense not only that but they're going to be hosted with new strips and indeed they've got extra sponsorships coming through so to the local businesses within Pitlochry 10 out of 10 to you supporting mm-hmm. the local team mm-hmm. one downside Alistair though yeah. uh, that when I watched Octorard or Primrose on Saturday it was our home match at the recreation there was about a dozen uh, supporters there from Octorada mm-hmm. and there's only two or three of us there from Pitlochry. So can I on your airwaves prompt anyone that has got any uh, uh, favouritism for uh, Pitlochry winning anything to come along on Tuesday the 17th of August and support Pitlochry against Ballin uh, Lewig? That will be a toughie. I, th- I think it's good that uh, that you know that uh, that local rivalry just exists just a, a few miles down the road, but uh, we have got that um, uh, that rivalry of, uh, as you say, kind of a, an old firm type game with uh, Vale of Athol uh, versus uh, Ball and Lewig. Uh, Fraser, have you been uh, you know watching any of these go- or, or you know interested in any of these games? I, I noticed uh, Bradalbin uh, in League One, uh, so we're talking the other side of Highland Perthshire here. I, I know. 
would Albin do good at rugby as well? I know there's a lot going on in that area. Uh, but, um, you, you know, I, I, th- I think it's good to see these teams coming out. And I say, uh, Albin in, in Division One. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <clears throat> good to see the emergence of these teams. You know, the fact that they don't have the the biggest catchment area for, for players, but it's just testament that they are able to get players to, to come in and support them. And um, even better, that the, the fans are getting back to support the committee's importance. So I think it's really fantastic to see uh, um, local teams in the, the top league. And the more we can get into the top league, then the better. Graham, we mentioned last week about uh, local s- support and uh, and people going along. Ian's saying that, well, a bit disappointing with the the, uh, the last veil of Athol game. Uh, I, I mean, what can we do to enthuse people to, to come along and, and support the local team? I, th- I think it's there. I mean, it was there before. It was certainly there before COVID. But I think a lot of people are still undecided as to what exactly the COVID regulations are. And also a lot of people may be feeling, quite frankly, this may be a little bit too early. And they'll wait until the COVID issues settle down properly before they start going out supporting these type of events. But I don't think longer term it will be a problem because it was always there before. I think, though, that, that when you see the the, the the government guidelines when we're looking at this beyond level zero now and you can go out and socialise with uh, little restriction now uh, out, outdoors. So I, I think the football teams, um, you know, have got it now ready so as, you know, the matches can be supported um, by the maximum number of people that, that, that can come out there. But there's nothing better than brothers, sisters, you know, mums, dads, whoever, uh, from your uh, going out to support the guys on the field. Um, uh, Fraser, do you think that's that's important that we continue with that? Yeah, I think just going back to your, your first point you were making, I think you're spot on. You know, amateur fields are... Um, big grassy parks where there's more than enough space for people to to go out and and be so uh, safe. You know they don't need to worry about um, being close to people. There's more than enough space to have have your own area without worrying about people dirty. And I think with your second point is the the beauty that you have family members there to yeah. to support you and add to the occasion. Uh, Ian, you mentioned there about quite a few games happening for uh, Vale of Athol in uh, in August. How are these games structured then? Are they just structured with availability of the of the park, availability of the players, or is there a more concise structure to the games for the next uh, couple of months? It's pretty well uh, organised, quite efficiently. Uh, by volunteers, you've got the secretary, you've got the president, you've got the match secretary, yeah. and it's home and away matches, Alistair. Yeah. I mean, you've only got something like 11 in Division 2 and I think 9 in Division 1, and over the winter season, the home and away games can be played. But in between all, all of that, you've got the, the Highland Perthshire Cups, etc. So I'm not an absolute master at doing a draw for football, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that they've got it well organised because it's an ourselves Football associations have been going for many, many years. And every time I last, well, the last two or three years, I've been up watching the Vale, mm. uh, there's never been confusion about home and away. And mm. we're one of the furthest north, northerly teams mm-hmm. because, you know, they are coming from south of Perthshire, in fact. Yeah, They're always yeah. arriving in time, despite the A9. <laughs> exactly. Well, well. Hopefully, as the um, you know the the summer months, perhaps uh, we head into uh, into autumn. Uh, you do need to 
obviously check that route up the A9 to make sure that <laughs> that it is uh, okay for uh, for travel. But, but I think there's a, a, a lot to look forward to in the season. Um, Ian, as you mentioned, for, for Vale especially, you said that the sponsorship, you know, was in a good a good place. That's that's a good thing to know that local businesses are are, are supporting local sport. It is, and and also, and 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 this is one of the first that I have seen mm-hmm. on sporting websites and social medias, and that is that the sponsors are now being actively involved. That when a match report comes through, and indeed one of the hostelries is desperately looking for staff in Pitlochry that are also one of the core sponsors, yeah. so they put up the adverts of staff vacancies, etc. So the, 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 there is a lot of working together uh, with the sponsors and indeed the team, and 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 that's immensely pleasing. Do you think that's important, Graham? That that, that the sponsors do get involved in the and the teams. You know, we, 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 we've seen how. Um, social media can work for us here at Heartland, and it's all about you know tagging people in, making it of of interest. Uh, is, is that important to the amateur teams to have a good social media presence? I think it's important at any level, and excuse the pun, but it is a team effort. And the more that the sponsors are involved, the better. The more that the family and the support network behind the teams and the individual players, in terms of support and training, etc. Uh, you know, are with them, then that helps as well. And of course, the more support that, that they get from the public. I mean, we were talking the other week about uh, Aberfeldy Rugby Club and their first game of the season. They had had a hundred people turn up yeah. to watch the game. Uh, so uh, I think you know I think that that will only help uh, for the, 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 the betterment of the game. So that uh, leaves us, I think, in a, in a good position uh, with uh, amateur football in the in the area, and uh, we'll look forward to following the results, following the uh, the division, certainly the division one and two, as we go through uh, the season. Just before we leave that, um, <laughs> Ian, if I can point this uh, to you, then, so we mentioned that um, that Vale of Athol two. Uh, Octorado Primrose 4 in the friendly uh, I noticed that the Bowen Lewig I think I'm right in saying it was Genefield 2 Bowen Lewig 3 so there you go so Bowen Lewig won that match uh, prediction for Vale of Athol versus Bowen Lewig then well Alistair I don't think you should be asking me that question uh, why not well why not well, you, you're the man that's going down and, and, and watching the games that, that you're saying. indeed indeed and I always watch my host town and, and that was, I will always be flying the flag for Vale of Athol. And if we have any of the Ballin Luig listeners, I do apologise to them. But you haven't given me a prediction yet. That's a sit on the fence answer. That right? is, that is, that, gosh, that well, I is. I expected Graham Howie to come in with a sit on the fence uh, prediction. I don't know. I'm hoping that Vale of Athol will win. I don't know. Okay, okay. So, so, so a veil of Athol win then, then, then. I'm not going to ask anybody else then because I've just, I've just left that at uh, uh, Ian's door. Can we wish all the teams seriously in the um, Persia Amateur Football Association leagues all the very best and great to see uh, us getting back to the games and uh, support. Uh, right, so let's move on to tennis next. And uh, the US Open uh, will return in full force uh, this month. Uh, 100% fan capacity uh, and a full complement of games from the top players. It can't be looking any better than that. Uh, Graham, 100% fan capacity. I saw the other night 
um, football match um, that, that was absolutely filled uh, with fans. I know we've talked about capacity b- b- before. I mean, are, are we at the right time now to say, let's go to 100% capacity, Graham? I think personally, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical expert, I just think that common sense dictates, and we've all been there from the start. It's the thing we share with COVID. We've all been there at the start to our amazement when the regulations started to come in and we started to realise that we were getting further and further into more draconian lockdown and the very good reasons and the science behind it. So now we're all together coming out on the other side of it. And I think we're at the stage where we kind of have a reasonable crowd capacity at these big sporting events for all the reasons that we've talked about. To go to full capacity in such a closed environment, to me, seems foolish. And I think it's foolish across the board for any sport at the moment. You know, nobody wants full houses more than me across all the sporting spectrums. But, uh, you know, it's only this country, Alistair, which has got such a high rate of vaccinations. That's not the case in America. And it's not the case in many places in Europe. And we only have to look to the Olympics in Japan, which proved to be a great success. The Olympics are finished. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that COVID-wise, Japan are in an absolute turmoil. So I, I think it's foolish. Oh, Ian, foolish because of the American state of uh, of COVID at the moment? Or should we just go for it? Safety in sports, paramount. Uh, this is the first time that uh, a Grand Slam since March 2020, there's been a 100% capacity crowd. If you look at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, now that's equivalent, Alistair, to our centre court. The seating capacity in the Arthur Ashe Statement is 24,000. In centre court at Wimbledon, it's 17,000. Only 40,000 people can get maximum capacity at Wimbledon. We have just under 100,000 at uh, the US Open. It is the largest, the Arthur Ashe Stadium is the largest tennis sporting event in the entire world. You'll get under 1 million people in the fortnight that it's being played all going in to watch to, to, to watch the tennis. It's difficult for the players because they've gone through 18 months of pandemic without any spectators taking place. That's had a huge adverse effect in their earnings, also for their mental health as well. Now, you know what the Americans are like. They always do things very big. And indeed, all the ladies and the gents, top 104 players, have already entered. So the draw is looking full. And indeed, we cannot overlook that it was Andy Murray's first Grand Slam win in 2012, even despite the fact he'd lost four before that. So there's a lot uh, that we have with the US Open, how it's going to go, because they've got burger stalls there, they all crowd in. And when you get 24,000 people sitting in a stadium trying to watch a small tennis court at the top of the gods, it's pretty difficult. So generally what happens historically with the crowds in, in the US Open, they don't do what generally the Wimbledon audiences do, uh, sit and watch the tennis, they get involved in it. And and, and there's the differences. So I, I, I tend to agree exactly with uh, what uh, Graham has said. There's got to be safety, and I don't know how it's all going to pan out. Okay, and uh, Fraser, I know you were down at a, a big sporting event. You were down at uh, Silverstone recently uh, before we had you know full capacity um, and the regulations changed. Uh, how did you find it? Did you feel safe? 
safe in 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 that environment? I know it's, it's more outdoors, but uh, and it's not like a tennis match where you're maybe uh, crowded in the same way. But how, how did you feel? Yeah, I thought it was Sam Wilson was generally handed handled very well. You know, you just made sure that you always had your masks on when you were in the the, the crowded areas. You regularly washed your hands and. I was fortunate from where I was watching, there was only up to 2,000 people in the area I was where it was in, so it yeah. wasn't a, a big grandstand like at a tennis, so there was enough area to, to have your own personal space without feeling um, too crowded. But, yeah, I think, as, as you've said, something like the tennis where everyone's packed in, particularly for a tennis match that could go on for a number of hours. I'm not mm. quite convinced that's uh, the right idea. Well, we'll certainly see how it, how it goes um, with the fan capacity and see what the uh, attitudes of the crowd is. It's, it's all about people behaviour. But let's let's talk about the, the matches. Let's talk about uh, what we're uh, liable to see. Um, Ian Djokovic uh, seeking to become the third man in history to win a calendar slam. What's your prediction on that? Is he, is he I, having a good chance? Yes, I, I think he has. I mean, you've got Nadal, you've got Federer and you've got Djokovic that have won 20 slams and Djokovic is, is probably the one that wants to exceed that. Uh, he, he, he won Wimbledon. Uh, Nadal and Federer are the old favourites have also entered for the US Open however we've got these young bucks coming through now Dominic Thiem the, the German kid uh, he's the current holder we've got Medvedev from Russia who's with the world's number two and the darling that every lady seemed to like and that was the finalist at Wimbledon uh, who lost Matteo Berrettini from Greece they will all be challenging the old dogs and I tend to think that Djokovic is going to uh, going to have a, a struggle in a fight I do predict that he will reach the final I'm mm-hmm. not sitting in the fence cream <laughs> and, and, and I'm being serious here uh, and I don't know who's going to who, who's going to come through what I do know is that it's Djokovic one of Djokovic which is a, a favourite surfaces, which is the hard, a, the hard concrete, mm-hmm. and indeed, as we all see, he enthuses the crowd as well when he does his marching and his waving after he's won every single tennis match. The Yanks love that. Interestingly, though, just to finish off, Alistair, mm-hmm. there's no Americans that are coming up in the gent side. A, a, that can possibly knock Djokovic or or or, or Berrettini or Medvedev or Dominic Thiem off, a, off the throne. So I don't know. Uh, Graham, Dominic, uh, so is Djokovic going to have an, an easy time with this, or is he maybe no, putting not- himself under a, a lot of pressure for this uh, uh, calendar slam? No, I don't think he's going to find it easy because I agree with you to an extent that there's enough young players coming through. And the old order is about to change. I don't think this year, but certainly next year, I think. I mean, to win these type of tournaments, you need three things. You need fitness, you need to be in form, and you need to have the skill. Now, Djokovic ticks all boxes at the moment. The old guard of Federer and Nadal haven't played enough tennis, and they're not fit. And I don't think the young guns coming through have got the experience uh, and are in form enough to be able to compete at the very, very highest level with Djokovic at the moment. But I do think come next year, that will change. Um, what about British players, um, Ian? Um, how many British players are, are in there this year? Well, what we've got uh, is the top 104 players and mm-hmm. ladies and gents get automatically into the draw. 
We then have the host country that have uh, eight wild cards, so they can pick whatever up-and-coming players they wish. And then you've got the qualifiers, which is uh, 16. So the entire draw for the ladies and the gents is 128. It's nice and it's simple. You've got to win seven matches over 14 days and you become a Grand Slam champion. Easy as that. It just as easy as that. <laughs> it can take, however, Alistair, five and a half hours to win one match. Yeah. And then you only get a day's break. Now, Andy Murray is out of the 104, but mm-hmm. because he's a past champion, he will get a gracious acceptance by the US Tennis Association. So Andy is automatically into the draw if he decides to enter. Now, bearing in mind that we didn't do too well in the Olympics and Andy had to withdraw from that. So he seems to be focusing possibly in doubles, I don't know. Uh, but if he enters, he'll certainly go in. To answer your question, we've got two players in the mm-hmm. top 30 in the world. And the first one is Dan Evans, mm-hmm. uh, who's 26th in the world. Uh, he's always very dangerous. He had to pull out of the Olympics as well. Uh, and we have Cameron Norrie, a new name that possibly a lot of the, the, the tennis fans haven't heard, generally known as Cammy uh, Norrie. He's sitting at 29. So they automatically get seeded. So right. therefore, because they're seeded, they're placed uh, in the draw. So they're not going to be hitting any other seed until about the third round. So so at least we should be having two players going into the third round uh, come the first week. So, so he's saying then that, 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 that we don't know that Andy Murray has decided to enter yet or not? No, correct. Oh, we don't know, right. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, Graham, I, I've got to say that um, I, I, I saw him at, uh, at Wimbledon, Andy Murray at, at Wimbledon, and I really do think he, he tired very, very quickly. Uh, very quickly indeed. I'm just not sure he is, just to quote you, match fit. What do you think? No, I don't think he is. But then to be fair, I don't think many of them are because of COVID. And tennis is a very intense game. It's a very it's a game where you lose your fitness very quickly, as you will, I'm sure, testify to. If you're not playing at a regular uh, basis and playing at a high level, it's not a game that you can keep your fitness up just with the gym and with other exercises. You've got to be on the court playing. But they're all very much in that boat. That's why I think Djokovic is, is, is uh, the, the big favourite because he's probably the fittest of all of them. And he's certainly got, I think, more... He's got the desire not to lose. You know, it's his to lose this year. Um, mm. But, you know, Andy is a great competitor. And uh, I think the Open in America is very special to him. It's the first uh, Grand Slam that he won. It's a surface that suits his game um, and experience, you know, will play a big factor. And if he gets a run of a couple of games where he gets a good result and his fitness is okay, you just never know. You just never know with Andy. Uh, uh, Ian, does, does Andy Murray play a tough game? And the fact that he, 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 to me, he often comes from behind. Uh, and I think that, does he put pressure on himself or is that the better game for him when he's playing a pressure game? Andy's a chaser and a hunter. He chases balls down. He'll yep. run and return balls that other players won't. Now, that eventually, over many, many years, and Andy's been in the circuit since the age of 12. He's now 34. So for all these 20-odd years, he's been hunting the ball down. Mm-hmm. And in adversity, he always seems to come through. Uh, against my better judgment, I'm tending to agree with Graham Howey about his fitness. What, However, you know, is, that, is that the second time you've agreed with Graham Howey tonight? Yeah, there will not be a third. There's three <laughs> of my life. I rest uh, my case. Three of my uh, life. However, 
what we have overlooked, in, and that is the surface. Now, yeah. it's a concrete surface. It's very, very heavy on the legs and the body, mm. and that's Andy's weakness just now. It's not the tenacity or yeah. the brain for him to win because he thinks matches out. He knows how to mm -hmm. mentally mm -hmm. approach the opposition. It's the surface, and again, I said at Wimbledon that it, it's, it's his a body that has got to last. It is tougher in the US Open because of yeah. the hard surface than it is with the soft grass. That's why I tend to agree with Graham, and that's still number two, not a third. <laughs> I've written that down. Two, two agrees so far. I'm going to do this in a specific order just to see if uh, we will get a third agreement uh, from uh, from Ian with uh, Graham. Uh, Graham, first of all, predictions. Uh, I know it's an early stage. Nobody's even hit a ball yet. Uh, uh, predictions for men's winner and 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 women's winner. Are, are you going to go Djokovic and Ash Barty? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Djokovic, Ash Barty. Okay, uh, Fraser. Who, who are you? going to go with? Who, who do you yeah, like? I think the same, yeah. Okay, so there's one person agreed with you, Graham, right? Let's yes. see if uh, if Ian's going to, going to do the same. I was a bit manipulative there, really, but uh, but Ian, who, what's your thoughts? Reservations, it's now number three to Howie. Yes, I tend to agree. Three <laughs> for Howie. <laughs> see, if you just listened to me in the first place, you wouldn't put yourself through this drama. Three, three love there to Graham Howie, my goodness me. Game over. <laughs> Game set and <laughs> match, Howie. <laughs> well, we will look I think we will look with uh, anticipation and, and excitement I think uh, for the US uh, Open uh, and uh, let's see if, if Djokovic uh, can you know act with the pressure and what he's going to go for it because he wants that uh, that uh, calendar slam so uh, let's see how he gets on with that right so let's move to the medal podium then of the Olympics just passed um, you know how we did as Team GB and I suppose how we did uh, as Scotland as uh, 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 as well. Um, Graham, your thoughts on the uh, Olympics? We ended up fourth uh, in the table of medals. That, that was a good result. Oh, it was better than that. It was an outstanding result. Absolutely outstanding. And, uh, you know, across so many different spectrums of the sports mm -hmm. that we were representing on behalf of the UK and of Scotland, you know, in, in, in virtually every everything that we entered. And it wasn't just the medal tally, which was so encouraging, Alistair. Also, if you look at the fourth, fifth and sixth place, you know, uh, UK athletes, mm -hmm. that was a marked improvement of where we were before. So if you take that forward to Paris, that should put us uh, even in a, in a better position. So hopefully it's a, a, a result of the great training that we have in this country and also the great funding uh, which we've managed to get through the system, which is, you know, after you know, seven, eight years is starting to, to really bear mm. fruit now. Uh, Fraser, where do you think that we that we did well on? Anything outstanding from the Olympics uh, that, uh, that caught your eye? I thought the, the swimming again this year was yeah. particularly exceptional. Duncan Scott and Adam Peaty had, had great games. Uh, again, this, the cycling went really well, but it was just all round absolutely superb, you know, all the events, you know, and some of the events that we've not, not seen before. Look at the skateboard, and that was really good. And so I think it was just a great game all round. Yeah, I, I say I, I quite enjoyed it as well. When I'm looking at the kind of spread of which events that we got our our, our medals from, eleven medals from athletics, eleven medals in the pool from swimming and and diving, and and twelve medals from cycling. Ian, quite a, a good all, all round performance at the Olympics. Then. I mean, absolutely to be fourth in the world, where we won sixty five medals, of which twenty two mm -hmm. were gold. 
that if you look and analyse the league, we actually won more medals than Japan. And they won 27 <laughs> goals. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, gold seemed to be the gold target. Yes. Uh, we, we, we did exceptionally well. It's interesting because the, the sporting body, the funding body behind all the Olympians, uh, Sports UK, Mm -hmm. And Sports UK look at the top 40 sports of where they will fund, a, one, the governing body, and two, the athletes themselves. Mm -hmm. And Sports UK predicted before, before the Olympics that we should be winning up to possibly 54 medals. We exceeded that, which mm -hmm. is absolutely fantastic. However, they've got a major problem now because mm -hmm. there's four new sports in, uh, namely... The surfing, which is a new sport which has got to be funded, skateboarding, mm -hmm. karate, and baseball. So all the funding from Sports UK comes from lottery funding, but generally speaking, uh, going through the apprenticeship of funding for this, the great Scots, and we did exceptionally well this year, mm -hmm. uh, uh, comes from uh, Sports Scotland, and Sports Scotland are not getting as much money in from lottery funding, equally the Scottish Government will top up some of the funds. So where we've got Paris coming up, uh, there will possibly be less money going out to individual sports because there's now more sports involved. So uh, some of these uh, new new sports uh, coming in, uh, uh, I mean, baseball, Graham, do, do, do we stand a chance in uh, with UK baseball? I can't think of my nearest uh, baseball uh, ground. No, I don't think we're ever going to do anything in baseball, but I think we've got a great chance of doing well in karate. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got a great chance of doing well in skateboarding. Uh, surfing is probably not one that we could do because we're not just we're not that sort of country because of the weather. Uh, but I think two out of four we, we can perform very well. Yeah, I'm sure I heard with um, regards to baseball that they weren't having baseball in Paris. It wasn't coming back until the Olympics of uh, 2028 in Los Angeles. It's interesting because some of the Olympians, the UK Olympians, were not in the the, the sponsorship. Uh, going through UK sports, that they actually did some crowdfunding themselves, one through obviously the parents and the local mm -hmm. communities, etc. So that's the way it's sort of going at the moment. Uh, I don't know, it, it's very tough because when I was on the board of Tennis Scotland, we had to submit a programme, a performance programme to Sports Scotland for tennis. At that stage, we had Johnny Amara, who'd won the British Championship, we had the Murray Brothers and we had Colin Fleming. Mm -hmm. And we are set targets uh, on of funding uh, by Sports Scotland. And if we do not reach that funding, uh, these targets, i.e. how many are you going to get in a, a players ranked in the top world, they automatically on an annual basis reduce that funding. But going through the apprenticeship is that what you've got is Sport England and Sport Scotland, they ostensibly fund the players for the Commonwealth Games. And once the Commonwealth Games a, a athletes pro, progress very well, they then move up into Sports UK and they become the national champions. So there's two or three sporting bodies they've got to go through first. Mm -hmm. So I, I think funding uh, for, for always for sport uh, is a debate in, in, in itself. But I think when you see the performances and, and, and Graham, as, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, the uh, the performance of, of Scottish athletes. Uh, as well, I think you know we did ourselves proud uh, is an under an understatement there. 
Absolutely. And the, the one that really caught my eye was Laura Muir. Yeah. Having yeah. the Scottish grit, uh, deciding just to go in for one event and do that well. And mm. if she'd done what she did at Rio and be, you know, in the last lap in third place, looking quite good, has she got the kick to, to, to get a silver or a gold? And then she drops back. I think it was to, to she finished actually seventh. Um, you know, you could see it on her face and her expression when she was being interviewed afterwards, the grit and the work that she's done. You know, when she said with such a frail voice, you know, I've worked so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that true Scottish grit, getting up really early in the morning, you know, when it's so cold and windy and horrible and training and training and training. And it, we saw the benefit of her getting us over, which is just astounding. Yeah, it is indeed. And any in the final word to to, to, to you then that uh, it, it was uh, a, a great, uh, great achievement by the whole of the Scottish teams. Um, you know, where do we set for, um, for for Paris then? Where where are our strengths? Where do we need to go? Congratulations to all the Scottish yes. Olympians. We had 11 Scots winning 16 medals. Duncan Scott in swimming, Katie Archibald in Madison Sport, Kathleen Dawson also in swimming. Uh, and where we, we also had three A3 uh, uh, bronzes, but mm. where we've got the National Centre at Stirling, Stirling University for swimming, and that's an Olympic pool, yes, uh, yes. Therefore, which is good because it therefore means all the, all the swimmers can can uh, congregate there and, and, and train for the next Olympics. However, what and, and, and where I've congratulated all of the Scottish uh, uh, sports people this year, was actually the worst year because we had Rio uh, in 2016. They won more medals then Mm. and certainly in 2012 at the London Olympics. So there's only five or six medals short, uh, Alistair. We won less medals, but it seemed to be more uh, uh, enthusiastically won. And and as as Graeme said, and God, this is number four I'm agreeing with. uh, Go for it. That was Laura Muir winning the silver. Yeah, uh, and that's the grit of the Scot. So roll on, France. Let's and, see what's happening. And, and, and do you think in the pools going to be where our strength is going to continue uh, to, to, to Parisian? Yes, solely because yeah. the infrastructure's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I've often been because our tennis, a uh, national tennis centre is there. So all the elite uh, uh, tennis players play at Stirling and ironically right adjacent to all the tennis courts and swimming pool. So I would often wander in and see them. And the intense, these, they, they start swimming at six in the morning at Stirling mm-hmm. Uni mm-hmm. to get into practice. Yeah. Uh, and that just goes on day after day after day. And we can see the eventual outcome coming with Duncan Scott. All of us will remember his interview and we thought God here he's won he's won a gold he went on to continue winning more medals uh, <laughs> which is absolutely immense so so I wish I wish all of them yes. uh, come come France uh, every success. Well, I, I hope next time you're down there at Stirling and you, you want to participate, that you don't quite get mixed up with your sporting attire and wear the wrong attire when you're uh, going to play uh, tennis and turn up with your uh, swimming attire on. I don't think speedos on the uh, on the tennis court would be very acceptable, Ian. A speedo is a word I don't understand now. Oh, okay. In every aspect. 
<laughs> uh, right, let's uh, move on to our final uh, subject on Sports Point uh, this week, uh, which is, um, I suppose, a conclusion. I'm not going to call it dissecting. I'm not sure what we're going to call it. Uh, the British Lions. Uh, British. Uh, a couple of headlines that, that I read this week. British and Irish Lions. Uh, how will the South African tour be remembered? And what's next for the Lions was one. And the other headline that I read was an opportunity missed. Uh, Graham, you've been um, following this uh, with great interest. What the heck happened? Outplayed and outthought. They were outplayed by a superior South African team who played to their strengths. Uh, the best in the world at mulling. They've got the best forwards in the world. They've got a huge pack on the bench that they can bring on to keep up the good work in the tempo. And they play this consistent high ball which they have to an absolute fine art. They've been doing it for donkey's years. They can't do it in the likes of, of uh, Murrayfield or, or, or uh, Twickenham if it's a windy day, but in perfect playing conditions of South Africa where it's a sunny day, a uh, sunny evening, and there's no wind around and there's no rain, they can kick the ball up to the heavens and you're waiting there all day for it to come down. And the Lions, uh, and I'm afraid many of the Scottish players, uh, just you know, bread and butter for the South Africans, but they just couldn't deal with it at all. So, frankly, they didn't deserve to win. And I'm really disappointed with Gatland because, you know, for somebody who's supposed to be so experienced in the game, you know, twice at half time, where, you know, we go into the second half, South Africans change the game, they freshen up the players, and Gatland just had no response. It was very disappointing. So, you know, they're outplayed, but in many ways, I think, I think it's fair to say it was their own fault. Uh, Fraser, were you following at all? What do you think? Graham says they're outplayed. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, the first test suffered so much with a, a fine victory, but then the second test just showed the class between between the two. South Africa were really just uh, dominant. And yeah, okay, the, the scoreline on Saturday in the final test was was a narrow defeat for the Lions, but in, in truth, they were they were they were well beat on the day, and it was. Probably could have been heavier if South Africa had taken one of their kicks at goal. But yes, I suppose so near and yet so far. But harsh lessons to learn. So uh, strategic wise, Ian, what uh, should uh, rugby be be doing? What should we have a a, a nation like the the, the Lions, or, or or should that be? Disbanded? Are we, are we playing a, a game that's fragmented by uh, by its team structure? With, with respect, Talister, uh, I I struggle with the basic rules of rugby, mm-hmm. uh, and I have had an enjoyable podcast with yourself and also with Graham. That if I make any comment or <laughs> uh, <laughs> or suggestion. I know that Graham will immediately disagree with me, so I'm not. Well, go go for it because it's all been agreement so far, you know. Uh, hence the reason that I'm wanting it to finish that way. Oh, whatever I'm, <laughs> oh you're too polite. I'm, you're too polite. Whatever I'm going to say, he will turn around and totally and utterly disagree with me because it is a sport I know very little about. However, I do know it is in the top four of popularity in Scotland, so we should be doing better. She should be doing better. I mean, my, my, my question there that uh, body squared by, by Ian there, let's uh, pose it to you then. Is, is it the right structure? Are we doing the right things? Because we kind of touched on that uh, last time we talked about uh, the, the, the lines. I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't get it really. So so I mean, what should we be doing? 
Well, I don't get it either, but I, I don't. I, I think it's past its sell-by date. I think the lines are something from you know the old years, and I think we should really knock it on the head. And if you want to play South Africa, then Scotland plays them, or England plays them, or Wales plays them. Uh, and it's a different game when they come to this country because yeah. they can't play the high ball to such effect. And it's a big, big part of their armory. If you look at how many scores they had on the back and penalties they got on the, on the back of us not being able to defend that ball. And it's very clever what they do. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's a strong part of their game. But I, I, I personally don't think the Lions really should be a fixture in the future. I think it's time to, you know, put the, put the line out to pasture. And mm-hmm. get on and 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 do normal and do a normal tour. I, I just don't think there's any place for it in the world. Well, I, I noticed, and, and I haven't seen this uh, that there there was some controversy with with the, the uh, Springboks director of rugby who took to social media to highlight incidents, and then he released an astonishing hour long video uh, dealing with about thirty occasions that he felt the side were treated unfairly in in, in, in the first test. Yes, I, th- I think it's a relative of Ian to just droning on forever, <laughs> not, not not really getting to the point. You know, unfortunately, no, it was a disgrace. It should never been allowed. It should have been sanctioned by World Rugby uh, but uh, you know it, it really was ridiculous it was it was quite farcical I mean just a, a sore sore loser which nobody likes I mean, there's no place in sport in any sport for somebody who's a sore loser you know at the end of the day the referee runs the game and there's a, a score at the end of the game and you've mm-hmm. won or you've lost or maybe you've drawn that's unlikely in rugby but sometimes it does happen but you know rugby's got a proud tradition of following the rules and not arguing with the referee and you know no top back or feigning injury or mm-hmm. messing about and this sort of carry on. It was very sad to see, to be honest. I'm just not sure where the Lions tour is going to go. Does it continue? Well, we will we will see for the for the future. I think that uh, brings us uh, to full time on uh, Sports Point uh, for this week. It's uh, it's been great to chat to you, yeah, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us on Sports Point. Uh, always a pleasure uh, to, uh, to to host the uh, program. Thank you. Sports Point, a Heartland Multimedia Production. Find out more at www.heartland.scot.